Hi, this is Runa and you're listening to the Chainsmakers podcast where we share tips, insight, tools and stories from other Chainsmakers designed to motivate you to become the change you want to see in your world. Make sure you join our Chainsmakers community at runamagnus.com forward slash podcast. And now, this is your time to sit back, relax and enjoy. Hey Eric, welcome Hi, to the Changemakers podcast. I'm thrilled to have you as our guest because of the, for many reasons. One of them is what you've been doing, what your agency, the Cosmic, a social impact creative agency, just the name itself. <laughs> it's, it's exciting. First of all, can you share with us uh, your story? Someone who creates an agency like this must have a story to share. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm trying to figure out where to start. So ever since I was young, I was very interested in creative acts. So a lot of working with cameras and film. And I remember even distinctly doing some stop motion animation with an old, you know, Macintosh black and white webcam that my grandpa had when I was probably six or seven. And, you know, just throughout my childhood and growing up, I've always had um, an interest in creativity through music, through art, through whatever. And when it got to the point where I needed to start thinking about what I might do um, for work, it felt natural to kind of dive into that realm. And so I was also really interested in technology and computers. And from a young age, um, just learning how to program. I remember programming a TI-83 calculator and trying to create games instead of doing math, uh, which is what I should have been doing in school. And it really kind of led to this perfect path of design, um, especially digital design. And what it really drew me to digital design is in kind of traditional art, I was always um, unhappy with my outcomes because they weren't perfect. And by using the computer and by designing digitally, I could finally make things that were perfect. Not to say you can't do it in fine art, I just never was able to. And so that really just kind of captured my interest and felt like a really natural fit. I started getting into designing websites um, actually for some bands that I was in um, when I was fairly young, probably about middle school age, 12 or 13. And from there, just really started learning how to build websites, getting into branding, that kind of stuff. Finally went to school for design and ended up leaving school to pursue a freelance design career. And ultimately that path just kind of incrementally built up to the point where suddenly I'm running my own agency. Um, currently we're, we're still a fairly boutique agency. We're eight people, but you know, we're a full operation at this point and have been for about 10 years now, just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. So that's kind of the, the two minute version of, of how I got from, you know, growing up to running my own creative agency. And then there's a, a whole other story about how we started getting into social impact as well, which we can get into. Yeah, I was actually thinking about someone with your background uh, and your story around what drove you to focus on social impact and philanthropy? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tongue full for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, we were about, this is about three years ago now. And as an agency up until that point, we'd, we'd really worked with a broad array of clients. Um, we're in Santa Cruz, California, which is quite near Silicon Valley. So we've done a lot of work with startups and tech brands and B2B companies. And, and a lot of that work was super great and really 
helped us learn and grow as an agency and figure out how to manage clients well and how to execute properly. And we learned a lot by working with those really smart people who you could consider change makers as well from a technological standpoint, especially. But then alongside those clients, we were also working with social impact organizations, nonprofits, social enterprises, some impact investors and community foundations. And they were also change makers and innovators, but from a social perspective, they're doing social entrepreneurship or working to solve social issues. And that was just so intriguing to us. And we really saw a need for the kind of work that we do in that sector specifically. The um, you know, the startup and the B2B and the tech sector is pretty well served as it goes with creative agencies. There's a ton of agencies that kind of specialize um, either implicitly or not in working with those tech brands and those those startup brands. And there, there are certainly a lot of other agencies who serve nonprofits and some even exclusively. But the space was a little less crowded and we saw a lot of opportunity for some of these strategies and um, the methodologies and the approaches that we are using in the tech space to be applied to social impact in a way that we strongly believed would help them multiply their impact and reach their missions more quickly. And so that's really, um, we also knew as an agency, it was time for us to put our stake in the ground and stand for something and not just be kind of a general agency that, you know, you know, the 40,000th branding agency out there um, with no differentiation. And so we, we knew we needed to take the next step and commit to something. And as we assessed our various options, that option bubbled to the top over and over again, regardless of what kind of framing or perspective we were approaching it from. Yeah. What does it mean for you personally to, to be working in this field? Well, it means a lot, frankly. We're going through kind of a strange time in America right now, which is not, I don't think, a secret to the rest of the world. Um, nope. <laughs> and uh so it's it's been it's been really hard to be an american um and this work really helps me personally feel better about actually trying to work towards progress mm-hmm. through the organizations that we help so our clients are working on some of the most important pressing intractable issues out there. And these are the issues that haven't been solved by government that haven't been solved by capitalism. And they're the issues that are, are sticky and difficult. And so they're really complex issues. And some of the people that we work with are just so driven and passionate and smart. And so being able to work with those people every day Mm. and know that they're making a difference and then by us helping them, we're helping them to make a difference. Really it it make, it provides a lot of purpose for me personally, for my team. Um, And you know, when we do need to work hard and we, we often work really hard um, we feel like it's all worth it. And it's not just for some, you know, analytics dashboard in Silicon Valley. It's not, not that that's not important too, and that we don't use those every day, but there's this more inherent meaning and purpose behind the work that we're doing. And that really helps a lot in terms of just feeling like we're, we're making a difference in the world, even if it's, you know, in one kind of niche or one ecosystem. So yeah, I mean, that's that's really what it means to me personally. And, and I've just become fascinated in kind of the science, the art and science of change. Like, how does change happen? How does progress happen? Yeah. And there's, you know, there's millions of different ways that that happens. But it's really interesting to get to work with all these different clients and understand each of them has their own kind of theory of change within their space and, and how it should work. 
And that's been a really fascinating journey to just kind of get those various perspectives as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was uh, so fortunate to be invited to um, the Social Impact Index conference, oh, which has mm-hmm. been held in Iceland several years, I believe. This time, they, yeah. like every conference is held online now. Um, and it is, was really fascinating to see the all the metrics around it. Yeah. Because we're, I think most of us are really used to seeing all the metrics around the financial sector and, you know, what is the return on investment. And, and all of a sudden you, you start to see the world like, okay, there's a return on um, energy now. It's return on, it's just the different way of seeing the world and a different way of uh, seeing, ah, oh, so it's, world, the world is not only going around because on, on financial terms. It, there are all the other social issues that are there. You know, it's one of the things that we're doing with uh, Normal Boxes, the movement, which is like the antidote to all the uh, polarization and black and white thinking that is going mm. on in the world. Yeah. Um, it's about that to be able to expand your thinking and seeing, oh, the world is, diff- is more than that. And there, and that, and there, there are ways, like you're saying, to 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 change and be the change that you want to see in the world. So it's it's beautiful. One of the things that I know is such a big thing for all the the social impact um, uh, organizations and, and, and foundations is is about the fundraising, getting yeah. money, getting getting. Um, investors and uh, in, in all shapes and forms. What what does that look like on the way that you see it? The uh, the whole social impact fundraising aspect. Well, you know the, the the unfortunate truth is that the social impact sector is under resourced across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, most nonprofits, uh, especially do not have the right amount of funding staff capacity to reach the mission that they're working towards. And so they're constantly kind of squeezed from both ends. And, you know, these organizations, um, just to, to talk about nonprofits for a second, and then we can talk mm-hmm. about social enterprises yeah. where they're, they have a market-based approach, but they're, they're usually funded through a mix of small donations and large gifts, so individuals giving large amounts of money um, who care about the issues that they are working to solve. And then oftentimes they also have a mix of some grants um, or funding from government agencies. And so it's this kind of mixed funding situation. Mm -hmm. And what's difficult about that is that it's really hard. Small donors want to make sure that their investment is going directly to the cause, that there's no overhead, but the and major donors sometimes as well. And the problem with that model is that you need overhead to run an effective organization, right? Um, You can't run any organization effectively without investing in things beyond the program work that you're doing. And so that can be a challenge because an organization might even be pretty well funded, but all their funding has to go to one program. And anything that doesn't fall within that program is then off limits for that funding. And so they might be properly resourced for one program, but might not be able to pay their staff what they deserve to be paid and then they aren't able to attract and retain the best staff. And so there's this kind of downward spiral. It's called the starvation cycle that starts to happen in the nonprofit world. And so, you know, 
I don't, I'm not going to say I have the solution to the under-resourced nonprofit sector, you know, in a talking point, but I do think that we need to understand that, first of all, overhead is, is something that should be looked at as a metric, but it's not the only metric. And going back to your metric um, point earlier, there's other better ways of measuring impact, but they're really difficult to measure sometimes. And I think what happens is we measure what we can measure, and it's really easy to measure overhead because it's just a simple math yeah. equation. Yeah. And so we measure that, even if it's maybe not the exact best metric to use to assess the effectiveness of a nonprofit. And so I think looking at what are we measuring and how are we, um, what's the oversight process for nonprofits? Mm -hmm. Because I do believe there should be accountability and transparency and oversight. There are organizations that are not very effective, even if their intentions are good. And if we have a certain amount of money that we're going to invest in this sector, we should make sure that we're investing wisely. But there are other organizations out there working on this. Um, there's an organization called the Center for Effective Philanthropy, who's looking at how else might we um, look at these organizations and figure out who uh, is really effective at what they're doing and who's not. Um, Charity Navigator is working on that as well, GuideStar. So there's organizations already working on these issues, but they're still culturally pretty pervasive, especially at the small donor level. But you can see it even with the institutional investors, um, large foundations, and they sometimes have a very arduous application process for grants, and they require a lot of reporting and metrics and oversight, but they're not funding at the right level to do to provide the organizations what they need to get those metrics and to do that reporting. And so it's kind of distracting from the mission and the issues that they're working on. So it's a, it's a complicated thing, but I think what we see as an opportunity and our approach when we work with clients is to help them to help empower them to take control of their funding and not be so reliant on any yeah. one source to really diversify their income. And by building a very strong brand and by basically starting to think and act more like a digital media company versus a nonprofit, over time, they can build a platform and that platform empowers them to do so much. It empowers them to diversify their funding and get more, more funding in across the globe, even if they're a regional organization. But it also allows them to start to amplify their voice and to build a strong reputation, which opens up more opportunities for even large gifts from large donors or from institutional investors. So that's kind of the approach that we personally take with it. Mm. And it can be, it's, it's definitely a longer game. It takes time to build that up depending on yeah. where you're starting from. But over time, it's a much more sustainable model. And it also Absolutely. allows yeah. these nonprofits to spread their idea much further because we are connected globally through the digital era. Yeah. We can reach people across the globe. You know, we can have this yeah. conversation and, you know, uh, across the globe in real time. And so there's this awesome potential of technology, but it needs to be utilized and embedded within the organization deeply and not something that's thought of as like an extra thing that's done on the side. So that sounds like you work very closely with your clients. It's like, if, if we go back to the normal boxes movement, because it's really close to my heart. Um, yeah. If we would go as uh, the co-founders and we would go to your, to your, to, uh, at Cosmic and say, hey, Cosmic, can you help us, please? We we need more funding. We need to get our, you know, build our brand in a way that it's really coherent. And we we and we have the sustainability that we need to get our message across. 
which I yeah. think, by the way, is a good method. I mean, who uh, who does not has not had enough of the polarization and the all the <laughs> divisiveness that is going on in the world? So right. what would what would what would the first step be? If, just as an example. Yeah. So when we bring a new client on and we're we're talking to a new organization, we basically start with a process we call diagnostic, which is a way for us to deeply just kind of understand where are we starting from? Like what exists to date? What are the capabilities and the capacity in in house at the organization? Like what are the tools that we have to use? What have you guys tried so far? What's working? What's not working? We typically do some interviews with some internal people as well as some other um, stakeholders. So maybe if you're trying to reach a particular demographic, we would interview a couple of those people and try to understand, you know, their perception of your brand and also what the opportunities are. So we start by just trying to assess the landscape and figure out where are we starting from and yeah. basically doing some discovery because we, when we bring a new client on, especially we're starting from from square one, right? We don't know anything about you necessarily. Maybe sometimes we work with clients that we've heard of before, but oftentimes we haven't. And we need to make sure we we deeply understand what is your mission? What's working? What do you have in place right now? Where, what are your goals and, and what are your theories on how you're going to get there? And then we basically formulate a plan and start and start working off that plan. And oftentimes for us, what we're doing is we're building... We're, we're helping our clients understand the concept of brand building, um, which is something that's not necessarily intuitive to certain organizations. And then we figure out how we can build out a digital platform that actually leads to real world change. So one of the things that we're really um, passionate about and strongly believe in is that building digital experiences or investing in digital should not just stay in the box of digital and you know you get a bunch of good website engagement but so what like what does that lead to so it needs to either lead to more funding or more action or more awareness of the issue and so we want to look at both sides of that equation and and they're they're interrelated more web traffic or more social media following in theory should lead to more of those things but you have to make sure that you're setting things up properly or you could just have a bunch of followers on Twitter but not actually make a difference in the world. And yeah. so, you know, this kind of um slacktivism concept um or hashtag activism, right? So yeah. we we really look at that strongly as well, but really the first step is for us to learn about who you are and what your approach and perspective is around what you're trying to do and to set a strategy for getting there and then we start working on that strategy and releasing things in the real world and, and measuring results and iterating from there. Mm, yeah. I like it. I, I like it. And, and how, how important again. So going from there and I can see the time is just running from us. I love this conversation. Can you share with us just your own personal view of with everything that is going on in the world and uh, not only in the U S I mean, the whole world is dealing with COVID. And, and everything around that, and there seems to be there seems to be a, a big shift happening as well. Where do you see the whole concept of social impact? Just where is it? Where is it going? In your well, I hope it's moving in a good direction, and I I I, I get hope from the next generation more than I get hope from our current generation, frankly, especially with regards to politicians and people in power who are making decisions at a global level or a national level. Um, but if you look at, um, and you know, 
my my view is going to be us um tainted for sure because i I live here and i grew up here but if you look at the next generation um i think here but also globally there seems to be um an awakening and a unifying purpose of frankly literally fighting for the survival of our species with global climate change and the young people in this country are aware and they're activated and i think they're frustrated because they've been fighting for this and they know what's on the line and they're not seeing the right amount of response compared to the size of the threat of global climate change right it's not happening it's not happening fast enough it's not happening at the right scale you know and you know you look at the united states pulling out of the paris climate agreement as just one awful setback um which hopefully you know at some point will will re-enter god willing um but beyond that even globally, um, there needs to be a more unified, global, concentrated effort. And it needs to happen at scale and it needs to happen now. Like we're behind, right? And I think yeah, yeah. so I, I think social impact, there's so many issues beyond just climate, but climate is the unifying issue. I mean, I think about it as if we're invaded by aliens because it's the yeah. entire right, it's it's the at that scale, but we're not yet at a point culturally where we're addressing it at that scale. Although I think that's starting to shift. I'm in California. Our entire West Coast is on fire right now. Um, And so it's no longer an existential crisis only. It's now an immediate threat. And so I think that's when change starts to happen more rapidly. Mm -hmm. And I'm hopeful that if we can just make it past the next decade politically, um, the next generation will step up and make more empathetic decisions when it relates to some of these issues around how are we being responsible and how are we making sure that we're making a world that's better for all of us. And um, I really do think it's just this, if we can get through the next decade effectively and not, you know, set back any further and start making progress, then I'm pretty hopeful. Um, It does feel bleak right now amongst the pandemic and everything else that's going on. But I look at the next generation and that's what gives me hope. I'm going to use the opportunity to all the listeners out there who live in the United States. Could you please vote? Please vote. Please vote. It's really scary to sit on the other side of the pond and watch what's going on. It is really, really scary. Please vote. (laughs) On that note, finally, Eric, where it's the best way for our listeners to reach out to you if they want to know more. We will put information in our, in our site, but just so that you can tell them as well. Yeah. So you can email me at eric at designbycosmic.com. That's E-R-I-C. Or visit our website at designbycosmic.com. We just launched a manifesto that talks about some of these issues. Um, and that's a digital experience as well as a single episode podcast. So you can find that it's called the revolution is digital. If you just search cosmic manifesto or the revolution is digital on your favorite podcast app, you can get it there. Or I highly recommend going to the site designed by cosmic.com slash manifesto. Cause it's cool to see it, the digital experience as well. Oh, I love that. Eric, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. It's been brilliant. Yeah, this has been an awesome conversation. Thanks so much for having me on.
Was this podcast of value for you? I sure hope so. If so, feel free to share the love and give us your generous review on iTunes or Stitcher. And remember that you can always go to runamagnus.com to find out more about the changemakers and how we can help you drive the change you want to see in your world. Oh, 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 oh,